wonder what I'm going to say on my intros. I want to exit from this despair. I want to also give a warning to other creatives. Create like it's your last. Because with the reversal of role, they're not going to stop there. If you have something meaningful to say that is going to shed light and bring happiness to the world, you better do it before the conservatives decide. And that's how I want to begin my day every day, creating something new, interesting, and that's educating and expand the world instead of bringing darkness. My glow up, my glow up continues. Mad shout outs to the new listeners in Georgia and in New Jersey, holding it down for a sister. Um, I'm just so excited that I've reached 30,000 downloads and I've added new listeners thanks to the editing services of Brighton Media. It's going just so well and it's just amazing that people really are listening to what I have to say. How cool is that? Reading is fundamental. I firmly believe that. I also believe that the more I read, the more I learn and I've been reading and finding out or discovering very fascinating things. For a while, between Antiques Roadshow and um, the British version of Antiques Roadshow, I have been really fascinated by antiques and I was going to auctions pretty strong when I was working in South Carolina because let's, let's not get it twisted. There was nothing going on in South Carolina at the time And I started following Heritage Auctions, which is based in Dallas, Texas. Um, Fast forward, I still get emails from them every now and again about fascinating lots that become available. And as of yesterday, I clicked on one of the lots. Uh, It was a book, a signed or inscribed book of Martin Luther King um, to a that was inscribed to A. Philip Randolph. It is his stride towards freedom. One of the more fascinating bits of that was I didn't know that A. Philip Randolph was more radical, and he was, than Martin Luther King. He didn't really necessarily want to become their brother-in-law of the white man. He just wanted to become brothers. He wanted a a reconciliation and a redemption. Um, And if you had to fight, you you just had to fight. Uh, He knew that, this is Martin Luther King, that is, knew that nonviolence could shame the opponent and, and awaken his... Uh, push him towards reconciliation. Um, And he was right about that. Um, This lot, one, I was tripped out about the price. It's being auctioned off and several of the items are being auctioned off um, through Heritage Auctions, but I was just tripped out about this reserve amount, which is a hundred grand with the buyer's premium of $125,000, all a part of the estate from his um, literary agent. And I'm pausing here because I can't remember her name because I didn't know this woman actually existed, Joan Davies. Um, She founded it in New York in 1952, she passed away in 1997. She has an extensive collection that have recently gone up for auction of Martin Luther King that has gone up for auction um, in the last couple of weeks. And through just researching these different items, there's items like 
uh, photographs, uh, legal documents of between he and Coretta Scott King. I didn't know that Martin Luther King died without a will and his uh, power of attorney is being auctioned off. I found that um, maybe because he what didn't think he was going to die, but even though he acknowledged that he would possibly die, but did he have the belief like most people that his wife would just get everything? Um, they may have had insurance that could possibly bury him. He knew he was going to die, but he did not take the steps of estate planning because that was not a part of the mystique of being a civil rights leader. I don't know if Mark, um, Malcolm X also had a will. Um, state planning was not in the M.O. of black men in the 60s, I guess. But I keep going back to that with my father was also shot to death and he didn't have a will or his will was stolen. Or the proper precautions were not taken to ensure that his estate knew the ins and out of what he actually want. Because if it was on paper, nobody, none of his living uh, relatives had uh, access to it, um, unfortunately. So I say all of this to say is that the hundreds and thousands of paper of his archive um, is gone up for auction. I would love to get a piece of it, but I'm not sure if I want to invest that type of money. I'm willing to wait for the books to come out. Um, but her, the Joan Davis agency is just for fiction. Um, a lot of what he wrote is nonfiction. But the fascination of what if they had lived? Because it looks like Malcolm X also was chatty, wrote lots of letters and postcards, etc. Worth money, his words, words of power. But I also would like to think they're like the old dudes that get on Twitter um, and would battle with people and would send out these crazy tweets to each other and what they would have to use twit longer um, because they could not basically keep it to 141 characters, which I think is hysterical. But I also started looking up J. Edgar Hoover and what was his beef with the civil rights movement. J. Edgar Hoover ran the for um the FBI for 48 years and argue arguably he created the FBI because when he took it over, it was just called the Bureau of Investigation. But with Franklin Delano Roosevelt, ex expanded um, the intelligent and counter-espionage function to kind of like M8 or M6, uh, the spy agency for England. He also thought that communists were very active in the United States to subvert our democracy. Um, and his beef with the civil rights movement is he firmly believed that justice and equality did not extend to us. So it must have, and he, you, I think he used and abused his power um, to basically try to make Martin Luther King and others of the civil rights movement and the Black Panther movement um, use the communists to basically to that's why we should not that's why we should not um, uh, listen to them and why what they what we were essentially saying was that the equality that extended to everyone, no matter what color, creed, sexual, whatever, it was communism and not the realization of what democracy was. He had a perverted um, look. He could not, he could never reconcile, and he was never forced to reconcile his white supremacy, extreme white supremacy, uh, with the civil rights movement. Um, it, it didn't have a place. It, it appeared to as such. He did great by expanding the fingerprint files, tracking down John Dillinger and George Machine Gun Kelly. Fine. 
However, but his unwillingness to protect the national treasures, Martin Luther King, as well as Malcolm X, is arguably the major mistake because he let, I think they firmly knew because they were following those guys. They firmly knew that those guys were going to do what they do because they had been watching them and they allowed it to happen. They basically, um, I don't know. It's not, do I honestly think there was a conspiracy where either the CIA or the FBI paid off the assassins of Martin Luther King or Malcolm X um, to enact their um, acts of violence. No, I don't. But I think their inaction, because they knew it was going to happen and they didn't forewarn or protect those brothers, that is what the, it's not a conspiracy. It's just basically the truth. And we've seen it in other where they, you're watching the watchers and then you see what's going to happen and you don't do anything. You don't intervene because it takes care of your problem. You think it takes care of your problem, but their, their message just simply goes on and on because right is right. What they were fighting for or what they uh, represented was equality for all men and our right to just exist. And even though, because you could not reconcile your white supremacy with that because white supremacy has no place in a true blue democracy. But I've been reading all of that and just finding out who these people were uh, from the Joan Davies of the world and why uh, Martin Luther King and even Malcolm X's uh, postcards are being auctioned off and are being uh, going to the estate because I'm very much fascinated about it. And I'm trying to make sure that my show Although it's called Tim Fro is reading, I do read a lot as preparation for this show, and I make commentary on these things. And I hope the listening audience, when the people that listen to this show, are always fascinated by new and fascinating things that I'm new. I'm very nerdy things that I'm fascinated about, but that you'll keep coming back because you want to find out. Oh, what has she found out? Um, that we didn't know up before, that simple things like in the upcoming, ep, the next part of the segment about that Bootsy Collins was a part of James Brown's uh, bass section in his band before he actually was then discovered and started uh, being managed by George Clinton of Parliament. Those types of things and how much, how funky James Brown was, you know, his riff, big horns, baseline drums and he was a rich old dude when he passed away but I don't again I don't think he had a will either but and he had a whole bunch of kids fighting on him took him a minute before he was actually buried I have to look that up because I was I wonder how long it took him for them to actually finally enter in for him to be interred so we don't live in Africa where I think uh, uh, Demetri L. Lucas basically said that um, it can be up to a year before people are finally, the final funeral is done. And it's a whole basically celebration and event. That was not the issue with James Brown's estate. It's because they were held up in litigation and that's why that man wasn't buried um, in a timely manner. But that's our American, unfortunately, um, the American, uh, black American way. So I am enjoying a very restful midweek. And I was listening to a, one of my favorite podcasters, Demetra L. Lucas, and she has been recounting her move to Ghana. And if you haven't heard, Black Thick is happening We've noticed that there has been a surge, what they call reverse migration, where we have returned to the South. But since basically 2019, 2020, with the murders of both George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and then all of these mass shootings involving races running up on us in our churches and at the grocery store, black folks are just getting tired. It's more than just leaving the North and coming back South is basically leaving 
the United States all together. There are whole YouTube channels devoted to this. There are people that have dedicated their blogs about this. And the top reasons that they're giving is pretty interesting. Samuel L. Jackson, Ludacris, and Stevie Wonder are some of the top celebs that have just basically thrown up the peace sign. And back in 2018, there were a lot of people ahead of, and I remember this is one of my first assignments um, that I wrote for Fiverr about the celebration of the 400th anniversary, 400th year anniversary of uh, first time enslaved people landing on this soil. And it's been crap ever since then. And it's the, there's an article that I'm going to actually put in my extended podcast notes is the journalist, Denine L. Brown writes why she bounced. She said, as a reporter for more than 35 years, I watched and researched and wrote with a sense of journalistic distance while consuming the emotions of every tragedy. Each video was terribly sad. The 2019 police killing of Elijah McClain in Colorado ripped me to my core. I replayed the videos of McClain, 23, a peace-loving vegetarian who played his violin to shelter cats, pleading for the police to stop hurting him and just let him walk home in peace. We couldn't walk the streets, drive, study, go to the grocery store, sleep without fear of getting killed. One night while my trip to Ghana, my driver made a U-turn in traffic and was stopped by a police officer. My stomach dropped. It was the middle of the night and I was terrified. I watched as the driver got out of the car and walked toward the officer. Standing on the side of the road, the driver motioned to the officer, talking with his hands, explaining he was lost and apologizing for making the U-turn. The officer listened. After a pause, the officer said, I forgive you, go about your way. I want this kind of freedom, to live in a country where traffic stops in peacefully. I want the ability to move among people who look like me. I want to engage in intellectual debates without having to explain the history of this country's racism. I know no place is perfect, but I want to live in a country where racism is not a constant threat, which is why I have decided to eventually leave America. When or where I will go, I can't say for sure, but I'm definitely finally ready. Stevie Wonder basically uh, put it bluntly. And, and, and one of the Afro-American studies at Howard basically said he's tired of being othered. He's, uh, Stevie Wonder is, was like, I'm tired of my children, my children's children have to explain or beg for people to like them or to understand them. And the shift, especially during Trump's presidency, everybody was looking for a way out. And I know I was. And I've been thinking about this a lot because, and where would I go? The top places, of course, are any place warm. Costa Rica, go down to Belize with um, Rihanna and them. And of course, Ghana and the rest of the Western coast of Africa where from which we were stolen. But it's just, or you can do what I've done, become more reclusive. And I'm just, cause I'm tired of explaining why it's not safe here. And even though I own this house, I hit that note every single month. But there are people that are willing to roll up on me and kill me where I stand because they have decided that I don't belong here. And why do people think that? Why are people in such a hurry to scam me and such a hurry to take what they, that I work for, and I know I could get so much more in so many other countries where the cost of living are only a tenth of what it is here and still have a bougie quality of life, still have access to health care. And 
I know it would come with different problems, but I, after going through this mess here, I mean, I think I could handle a lot more. The ties that I have here, people can come with me or like it's been for the majority of my professional life. They don't. They can stay where they are and I would still be just as happy going where I need to go. So a lot people have to be very concerned that a lot of black professionals and a lot of black young people are just tired of the fight because the fight is rigged and they're just they need a break. They're burnt out. So beware because we're taking our intellectual energy, our creativity and our funds out of the country because y'all are acting crazy and like you don't need us. Well, fine. Don't need us. We going where we are absolutely safe and welcome. We are returning home to Mother Africa. Okay, let's have some dream girls fun. Yes, come on, okay. ask me. Wait, what? wait. So it was 41 years Can ago. Can you believe it? No. 41 and I'm only 40 myself. Listen. Let me tell you about my moment. Earlier, we added it up. Look, look at this. I remember that. Uh, that was another great center stage moment. I remember taking that picture. And we were so happy because we knew we had a hit on our hands. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I'm, I mean, I'm really having a moment because I wish I could have been able to see that. Oh. And then I was going to say, I was born the year it came out. Yes. Do you remember what your audition was like? I'll never forget my audition because I remember that day walking into, it was 890 Broadway, Michael Bennett's big theater, and I walked in there and I was walking behind Loretta Devine because uh -huh. Loretta Devine was already, you know, becoming Loretta Devine. And these women in the room, they were not singers, they were singers, baby. <laughs> And they was, the, the building was literally levitating off of the concrete. That's how wonderful they were. And then there was me. And um, everybody was doing their whole thing and they asked me to sing. And they said, just, you know, sing something from church. So I sang Ave Maria. They were very quiet. Uh, I think they were thinking something more in the Baptist vein. And they did not know that I was a little Episcopalian girl. <laughs> So I sang my little song and I sat down at the end of the day, because this was hours now. At the end of this, they said very dramatically, if I call your name, it's your day. If I don't, it's not. It was dramatic and, like yeah, that. Very, yes, it was very dramatic. And then they said, Loretta Devine, uh, duh. Um, Ramona Brooks, and, and I'm getting ready to leave. And Cheryl Lee Ralph. <laughs> When we did Dream Girls, baby, our work was step, touch, step, touch. You want a song? Come on. Oh, you want me to come too? Oh, Lord. I don't know if I can keep up. Yeah, you can. We, we need some Dream Girl magic. You got to Oh. I can't believe I get to do this. Girl, now this is not any cheap boa, so you know I'm keeping it. Yes, ma'am, you better. So, and we tossing it around the neck. I'm following your lead. You the original Dream Girl, baby. Now. Not me. All you have to remember okay. when you when you move and you know this. Yes, ma'am. It's like Bevel? you want them thank you. And you want them to see that you're wonderful, that you love being here on stage. Come on. Now make it sway. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, ma'am. And you look at them, look up. That's right. Come on, sing, baby. Now wait, here we go. Look up, look down. Guess what? I'll be there. Oh, she's here, y'all. That was Jennifer Hudson getting her full life with the EGOT, Cheryl Lee Ralph. I that moment was just so touching, and I had to replay it uh, for the listening audience. Music transcends and also brings people together. And it is obvious from this show that, number one, Jennifer Hudson 
is always ready to sing. And that girl can sing. I realized, and I, I didn't realize until I saw the highlight uh, video. I'm going to put this clip in the show notes as well as the clip where she talks to, um, it's just like a highlights reel, but she also, you got to go to YouTube, look it up, but she also talked to Simon Cowell about she did not win. And I was, I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, that's right. That was like, I always thought that was like the, one of the biggest mistakes from America's Got Talent, but it really wasn't because it was her singing Barry Manilow uh, song and the range and how she sung it like and I am telling you that's how she got the Dream Girls um, gig and she went on to have and still is having her moment and I didn't know she turned 41 this year she looks amazing so does Shirley Ralph she did that when she was what in her 20s or maybe t- she was in her 20s and she still is beautiful because black doesn't crack and it just was just so amazing to watch her get all gushy over her and i've forgotten but the and it's obvious when loretta divine did a cover until you come back to me on p valley but you almost forget her extensive stellar singing career and how absolutely amazing it is And I just love the fact that I think my dog likes music too. Because she is a superstar herself. But I now I realize that she responds to my voice, but she responds positively to um, just beautiful music too. And I've been playing a lot of music as of late. Um, But this is one of those shows. I'm not getting a kickback for this. If you get the chance to watch the clips... Um, and watch them often on my um, extended blog post notes, as well as go to YouTube and catch it. Um, I hopefully it's on ABC or NBC and not on that other uh, crazy gaslighting network called Fox. But this is a show that if you want to see Jennifer Hudson get her whole life, and she has some amazing guest stars on the show, um, Shirley Ralph, just to say the least. Uh, but you got to watch this show and just enjoy the music like I have. With such a icon of American entertainment and, and American culture in, in general was mind-blowing. It still is. This, this whole opportunity from start to, to now has just felt like some, some kind of dream, really. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if he feels he gets his due or not. You know, but we, we're talking about somebody who's, you know, how many people have done what he's done? I can only think of one, and that's Charlie Chaplin. You know, and he's a black man in this country. You know, that's that's a different tier for me. One of my cousins made me cry this morning because I have a big family I'm from Virginia, and um, I have ten aunts. You know, I have uncles too, <laughs> thankfully. Um, but I have, I have ten aunts, and when I first moved to New York. Only one of them, you know, for the first few years would reach out to me and check in on me. And she just encouraged me or whatever. And every time, every time she signed off from that phone call, she'd be like, I love you. And just remember, just like Tyler Perry, you can mm-hmm. always write your own. Right? Wow, wow, wow. And to be at this juncture, you know, with him, you know, and Soleil, more specifically with him, I, I can't I can't speak to that other than the story. I just you know it feels divine. It feels like the alignment is real, and I'm just grateful. I'm wow. Grateful. You know what? Shout out to your aunt. I feel like she's mm-hmm. all ten. Hey. All ten. Yeah, she definitely. Yeah, and she's not. She's no longer with us. You know, so it meant, it meant mm. something to me to read that message from my cousin this morning. Wow. And it just kind of centered me. You know, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Feel Absolutely. Great. And it is divine. The hands, his hands yeah. are always there. Oh, yeah, always yeah, yeah. There. Hands yeah, yeah, are always yeah, yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Forget. Um, I, I saw somewhere where you said that you enjoyed directing this versus other things. What was it about directing this particular story that was, I guess, more enjoyable than usual? Everything I've done in the in the beginning has been about the work, and I knew I had this this piece in my back pocket for all these years. Twenty seven years, I was holding on. Twenty seven years. Twenty seven years, I was holding on to it, and realized, you know, at some point I'm going to get to do this, and I'm I'm going to really enjoy doing it when I do. But for 
for what I had to do in the beginning, because as a black person, especially in American Hollywood, if you have a flop, you don't get a lot of opportunities. So this being a period piece, and a few years ago, this thing could have never happened, you know, as recently as 10 years. So I wanted to make sure I was doing what I knew worked with my audience, right. to uh, reaffirm the hits, to make the, the, uh, my studio and business concrete so that I can get to this place. So when I got into directing Jazz Man and having this incredible talent, the talent pool to work with, I was able to relax and just enjoy every shot. I wanted every shot to be a photograph. They came with such um, intention. They were intentional on everything um, in understanding the characters and being the, the characters. Mm -hmm. It just made it all amazing. No, it, it, it felt real. Um, I started off uh, our conversation by telling you guys uh, what happened to me? I, I pegged it wrong. I did, I, and I said it on TV so we can actually go get that clip. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, um, but I, I wanted to talk to you about you specifically, so because yeah. you're playing this character, mm -hmm. but in real life, this this is who you are as well. Is this yeah. an art mimics life moment for you? I remember the first conversation that we had when you called. I'd sent in my tape, and Tyler called me to just let me know that he loved my audition, which in and of itself, I was like, okay, well, yeah, if nothing else, hope, you know, hope, wow. Um, but I have found, you know, our, our industry is based, you know, it's based so much on the visual of what we look like. Mm -hmm. And living in America, you, it's, race is very polarizing, white and black. So I, I think mixed race people kind of find themselves, especially in our industry, right. having to, you know, Passes one thing or another, fit into someone's box of what they are, and very, I think I can count <coughs> in my hand, one hand, the number of opportunities I've had to audition for roles that are actually me. Mm. So to take up space as myself in a story is an opportunity that I have had twice in my professional career. There's so much judgment for a lot of the people who made that choice in the past mm -hmm. to pass. I have to admit something. So I saw the trailer, and I'm talking about it on my show. I host a nightly entertainment show. And I'm like, mm. that is Tyrone chats with on E Talk chats with Tyler Perry, Joshua Boone, and Saleh Pfeiffer in their roles with Tyler Perry's new movie on Netflix, A Jazz Man's Blues. Um, the takeaway on that clip is he's had this um, show because, you know, he writes, directs, produces everything. Um, he's had this um, in his back pocket for 27 years. He wait, waited until he actually um, is now has one of the largest Black-owned uh, production company studios in Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, built on a former Confederate uh, army base, if you would, if you could just, if that doesn't blow your mind. But it tells the story of a young woman who basically is pimped out by her mother, um, who is passing for white in um, Hopewell, Georgia. It, I took away from it, although how Jay, Jennifer Hudson's show is very inspirational, um, and filled with music. This show is also very, it's problematic, but it's also, he made the reference to, he basically could enjoy every shot. He knew he couldn't make this show 10 years ago. He had to go through a lot of Medeas and reunions to get to the place where he actually was could recreate this. It's a nod to um, the color purple, the juke joint, the singing, the jazz, and it's also a nod to the fact how wonderful the story is told. I think this is one of the most cohesive stories that I've seen for Tyler Perry. I had remarked to my sister how it seemed a little bit darker um, than what you're used to getting from Tyler Perry. But on another level, it's probably one of the best and tightest movies I've seen or productions I've seen ever he's ever produced. Kudos to him. But it's a story of a woman who basically is passing for white um, and her mother to protect her own well-being basically lies to the white husband that the black dude played um, by you, played by Joshua Boone, whistled at her. Um, and that's how she, because she knew 
um, that both of them were in love. And and it all comes, the story, entire story comes back full circle. He basically runs away for his life, um, makes it big in Chicago, uh, goes up there with his brother, who's always felt jealous. And I didn't understand the ramifications. It was like the light-skinned, taller brother who played the horn always had, it was a bit of sibling rivalry. And he could not understand why he was still second best, even though he was the lighter-skinned and oldest brother. He basically rats his brother out um, and when they come back, because he came back to basically help his mother um, out, um, and he end up the brother end up telling on him and saying that he was coming back, and they end up uh, getting him and lynching him, and it was his brother's fault. And I, I still am having a hard time understanding the reason. Number one, why the mother was so hell bent. She just was basically trying to protect her status and her comfort and her own daughter be damned. And then how the brother basically riding on his own brother, although he knew he was going to get killed. Because even though he was not there, it would never, he still would not get or be a star because he was a drug addict and he wasn't as talented as his brother. So by him removing the brother, I, it just, that was just so drug addled. It didn't make any sense to me. And I felt bad that, and it was just such a waste. Um, what was also a waste was the fact that the young woman um, she basically stayed in a loveless marriage. Had the dude that got lynched kid didn't know that he who his father was until the grandmother came and dropped off the letters towards the end of her life. I'm sure she blamed this woman for her son's death. Um, not rightfully so, because unfortunately in the South, probably and to a certain extent, um, dying by the hands an unarmed black man dying at the hands of uh, law enforcement is not a new thing. And it wasn't then, and it still is not a new thing today. But he loved her against his better judgment and against all odds. Um, and the fact that his own blood for some unforeseen reasons, was willing to sacrifice his life, the brother's life, <clears throat> and still get nowhere, to me, is just such, it's not ironic, it's just so sad. Um, but as far as something great to watch, uh, Jazzman Blues on Netflix, I don't usually rate shows, but I actually rated this one because it was absolutely something amazing to watch. Um, I'm also going to tag and put this also in the extended show notes, just a conversation between um, Tyler Perry. Um, the effects of colorism is an outspring of racism in this country. And just looking at these stars, Celia Pfeiffer, she even when in her mixed raceness, she still looked black to me. You could tell that she was a black woman. And I'm like, are y'all white people just that stupid? Y'all could, what did y'all think? She was Italian? I don't know. But she's very fair skinned, but you can still sell, tell she is mixed. Um, and I don't know. I don't, I'm wondering how women like her pass. Now, the lady at the end, because it looks like she never went outside, maybe. The older woman at the end of the story definitely was a Caucasian woman, but you could tell the younger girl was definitely um, either you had to just fool yourself to think she was of Mediterranean descent, but definitely she was on the south side of the Mediterranean. I'm just saying, y'all. I'm like, how stupid, racist, and people 
um, uh, white supremacists will blind themselves if because they get some type of fetish or some type of prize. It just beyond me. I walk through the valley to shout that I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even mama thinks my mind is gone. But I never crossed a man that I didn't deserve it. Maybe like, treat like a punk, who knows and heard of it. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking, or you and your homies might be lying in the talk. I really hate to trip, but I gotta loaf as they cloak. To see myself in pistol smoke, fool. I'm the kind of G. The little homies want to be on my knees in the night saying prayers in the street light. So that is just my feeble attempt to sing Gangster's Paradise. And this is just my homage to the passing, recent passing of Coolio. He basically uh, passed away unknown causes or unconfirmed causes at a friend's house this past within the last 24 hours, 36 hours. I didn't know until this morning that he had been grinding for 15 years before he hit it. And he was concerned that everyone would just know him from Gangster's Paradise, which not only put him on the charts, but also made the movie Dangerous Mind living a living, breathing thing 31 years later. Um, just because of the success from that song. He would go on to produce eight other studio albums um, and sell over 17 million records. Um, An amazing life cut short. Rest in peace, the great Coolio. And for those of you that are just joining, um, this is Tim Fro is listening to her daddy's records. Hi, I'm your host, Felicia Baxter. Um, This particular show is going to be, we're going to be listening to funk through the ages. Uh, we're going to be talking and listening to some George Clinton from P-Funk to Parliament. Uh, he had an annihilation humanist management style, which means he was probably all toked up or uh, wilding out on some psychedelics. And he basically would disband and reband um, the band and create even larger and crazier than life music. But there's also a lot of uh, other uh, funk masters like uh, Bootsy and the African Music Machine that have been the background of the funk uh, movement for a number of years, like um, the Dat Band. Oh, I didn't even include the Dat Band. I need to add them. Um, but this current list is over 201 minutes of pure funk nation. I got nerd, I got cameo, and also James Brown, who I didn't really consider um, a funk-tastic master. I got Mtume. This is just so much music to enjoy. And also, I want my daddy's records playlist is basically blowed up. You got to navigate to that on iTunes and stream and stream often. I hope they have control of their masters. I hope that we all get a bit of funk history by um, listening to this show. And as always, thank you for joining me. And I hope this will find you and let you get your groove on if you're waiting in traffic or wherever you are. And thank you for listening. Uh, Bootsy Collins and I think his name is Catfish Williams or something like that were both bass guitarists in James Brown's band. I I always wonder how R&B and soul all contributed to the foundation of funk and how they incorporated all of that into disco, but how all of those genres continue where disco basically died out in the, eight, the late 70s, early 80s. So With that said, let's enjoy African Music Machine, Blackwater Gold. One of the things I do love about funk is the heavy horns and the bass. Um, I don't want to play this too loud because I don't want to get accused 
of copyright infringement, and that just brings up my whole sync licensing um, uh, wants and how much that's going to actually cost. But Pick Up the Pieces by the Average White Band, I'm actually playing that now. Um, but there's bands like BT Express, um, the brand new Heavies, the Brothers Johnson, that all have the consistent uh, funkadelic kind of rhythm to it and it makes but they all have their own unique sound and I had forgotten how cool Commodore um, and how much of a funk band they were until they crossed over into the mainstream pop scene so again navigate to iTunes to listen to this extensive uh, playlist if you haven't um, been able to tune into my live amp show and just drop me a line and, and have suggestions or for additions and deletions. I greatly appreciate it as long as the comments are not too trolly. Right now I'm playing um, Cameo um, on Amp. And prior to that, I had played the brand new Heavies and I was remarked on the influence of R&B, soul and funk on the hip hop. Uh, genre. Each is distinctive, all influenced by each other, but still its own super international entity. And that's the great thing about music. You can see how it influences. It doesn't cancel out the previous or the greatest collaborations uh, ever between some of the hip hop and uh, funk great, Bootsy and Farside, etc. And you can still see the influences of those giants uh, within the music of the younger generations. But it they still does not cancel out the greatness of the previous generation. That's what music is to me. And I wonder if you guys agree. Let me know. Drop me a line at tenfroisreading at gmail.com and let me know about that particular comment. I'm taking the time to record this episode on a great Tuesday. It's Taco Tuesday, and I'm wrapping up my amp show. It's all funk all day, well, since 4 o'clock. And through my research and building up the playlist, I have rediscovered Parliament and the Funkadelics. But then there's a rapper, Sativa, that I had no idea who she was until she showed up on some steak and I want some. The whole skunk of it all is they're talking about weed. And if anyone knows anything about marijuana, I was actually at home in Virginia uh, recently and I pulled up in my truck and this other yoked out white dude was in the next car. He had his blunt in his hand. He was just chilling, riding along. I don't think weed is legal in Virginia, but, and technically is that open carry considered, but that distinct odor of stank weed brings back and brings to mind this song that I discovered as I was curating this playlist. And I can't even smoke because I have asthma, but I didn't want any. And it took a minute to get that stink out of my truck. I had put the windows up and circulated the air, had to put the air, had to speed up to get away from him to get that out of my air filters. So, no, I, it made me want to look up to see if Sativa has done anything since she dropped this single with Parliament in 2004. And what has she done since? Maybe some underground stuff, maybe some independent stuff. But it's the this rap, or her collaboration, again, the effective uh, influence of funk and hip-hop, but the complete separateness of and how both of them prop each other up without annihilating either. That is some gangster stuff right there. So look up Sativa and let me know what you think about her rap skills. Does she have bars or does she need work?
that is Stormzy from the Global Citizen Festival 2022 that popped off this past weekend in Ghana. And from the looks of it, it was the bomb. Usher outperformed himself, looking like um, King T'Challa. Mariah Carey in all of her gold finery in Central Park. I thought for I basically fast forwarded to all of those uh great performances. I mean, after the previous section when I'm talking about the music, that was just a a little bit of a riff off of the YouTube uh live streaming, recorded live stream of that particular festival. Um I learned about it by from Dimitri L. Lucas, and I'm actually very glad that I basically looked it up online because the music was lit and the energy of the crowd was amazing. Um, and y'all need to check it out. The YouTube video is actually in my show notes on um, WordPress, but you can check it out under Global Citizen 2022 Ghana on YouTube at your convenience. There seems to be a whole bunch of donkeyness going on, and I had saved um, this discussion about the political gaslighting. I actually saved this almost two weeks ago. I'm really tired of the MAGA maggots. I'm tired of them gaslighting us. This is comes from Huffington Post, where this fool chump calls Biden's speech um, offensive and a threat to democracy when he's been doing the same crap for a number of years. But Letitia James and Merrick Garland has something for him and his old fraudulent um, families, but she's coming for him. She's, they, both of them are getting ready to break their foot off to them. And I firmly believe that. But just because someone calls you out on your illegal dealings and your own shenanigans, they're basically trying to flip the script. I don't think basically solidifying or guaranteeing the validity of the 2020 elections is against democracy, which you basically dumbasses tried to do was basically overthrow the government. Nothing but sedition, nothing but a corrupt human being that's not, that should never have been elected president. And now that the photos and the paintings of President Obama and First Lady uh, Michelle Obama are now installed, I wish that we could basically forget the previous four years and remember what should have been and could have been and we could have moved on. But then everybody seems to be tripping. Um, Nia Long's um, fiance, I think he still is fiance. What's this fool's name? I have to go back and look it up. I didn't even know who he was until this story broke. Um, Let's see. Emmy Aduka. He was the uh, head coach for the Boston Celtics. She basically pulled up and moved to freezing butt Boston to be with him. And he basically is crapping where he eats. He had an affair with the vice president of the organization. Who does that? That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. And it's not her fault that an icon of a 30-year error got cheated on. Her being married to him would not have prevented him from being a dumbass and cheating on him with that man's wife. And he gets all, oh, he lucky he didn't get fired because they only, they suspended him for a year, but that's essentially like getting fired. But I'm sure it's suspended with pay because he gets paid whether he coaches or not, but he could have been terminated. And that's too bad on him. Who wants to cheat on me alone? That's some dumb crap right there. And then Brett Favre is caught up in this whole uh, welfare scandal. They basically diverted funds that should have been to provide um, health care in the poorest state in the unit. That stuff was diverted to provide a volleyball facility and some stuff for his um, alma mater. I don't think we've heard the last of that. 
Charges have been rendered against high ups in the government, including potentially the governor, and everybody is snitching. So that to me has landed Brett Favre of all people, former Green Bay Packer quarterback, former sportsman of the year on my donkey of the week list. And I can't make this stuff up. How you go from sportsman of the year, multi-million dollar quarterback to welfare king or welfare queen. I just, girl, people need to stop acting stupid. That's all I want them to do. Make better decisions. Stop gaslighting people and pay your freaking taxes. Why not? Let's just start there. Why not? Let's just start there. The hijab is an Arabic word meaning barrier or partition in Islam. It has a broader meaning. It is a principle of modesty and includes behavior as well as dress for both males and females. The most visible form of hijab is the head covering that many Muslim women wear. This goes out to Amini, Masa Amini, a 22-year-old woman that was killed in Iran for her hijab being too loose. Watch, listen to this from uh, NBC News about the pro- the uh, protests that are spreading across the world, definitely in Iran and the crackdown that the police there are warning of. Tonight, violent unrest in Iran, sparked by the death of a young woman in police custody, continuing now for the 10th night. Iran State TV saying 41 people, protesters and police have been killed since demonstrations began on September 17th following Masa Amini's death. But Norway-based group Iran Human Rights say at least 76 have died. Many arrests are being made even during the day when protests aren't happening. Security agents identifying people they believe were on the streets at night. According to the Committee to Protect Journalists, at least 20 journalists have been arrested many of them women. On Saturday, Iran's president issuing a threat on state TV, saying that Iran must, quote, deal decisively with those who oppose the country's security and tranquility. The Associated Press reports that according to their count of official statements by authorities, more than 1,200 demonstrators have been arrested. The number could be much higher, the government cutting the country off from communications with the outside world. Last week, blocking access to the internet and messaging apps like WhatsApp and Telegram, limiting Instagram, one of the last remaining social media platforms. Once you crack down and you want to shut down your country, you are telling everybody, I have something bad to hide. Since they... So when you shut down social media, you have something bad to hide. These regimes are not going to get away with trying to staunch freedoms in general. I mean, what is, there is freedom, I know, in Islam. It is a peaceful religion, but what they're doing is so, it seems so far away from the tenets and teachings of Muhammad and the Quran. I think they really need to reevaluate their response to this woman and take responsibility for this wrong turn. And what is the purpose of the morality police? That doesn't make any sense to me. And why are you so um, uh, conservative and staunch? And is it worth um, imploding your society over an erroneous interpretation of a covering that is supposed to protect women. They, I know that their God and what their beliefs are, they're going to be judged. But a lot of us or a lot of people or the world is sitting in judgment of them because they made some wrong turn somewhere. The peaceful tenets of the teachings of Muhammad is so against what they have, what they're doing and what they're, what they have done. That young woman should not have died because of a head covering. What the purpose is of is to show her modesty. Who is to say it wasn't tight enough? What, 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 what is going on here? And why aren't y'all more focused on making sure your people are not starving, making sure the lights are on, they got clean water. 
What happened to providing the basic minimum um, to allow your people to live um, and to prosper in your country? What about all of that? There is, seems to me to be an imbalance, and y'all going to need to correct that while you're trying to correct the morality of your people when it's obvious these morality police sounds like they're male chauvinists and misogynists, and they there's no place for them um, in that society, in, in a modern society. Maybe you need to reevaluate that and making sure that the laws that you have are really in line truly with the tenets, the peaceful tenets of your religion. And this is me as a Christian basically calling y'all out on y'all shenanigans as Muslims. Think about that. And also reavow and take into consideration why this young woman should have never died. And as an end, I am recording on Taco Tuesday. I just had um, some real flame broil uh, beef tacos from I made the tomato had the tomatoes um, and the peppers burrito peppers from my own garden, and they were actually good. But I'm gonna have to take some Pepsid. And, pro and 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 drink probably eat a little bit more um sour cream to take this heat off of my tongue as I go and dream of speedy gonzalez dogs running wild and running around happy as they attack me for my food um this has probably been one of the most productive days um of my recording I'm recording on time as far as quartz bar I listened to some great music. I've made some commentary on some really um, amazing uh, things, some pop culture. I've, I'm going to probably save Quark's Bar um, for Donkey of the Day and music selection. Um, and then the big show is about what I'm reading, what I'm writing. And I'm planning on doing um, a whole... Um, a whole segment on the rare book auction at Heritage in, Ta in Dallas, Texas. Um, the uh, Martin Luther King's literary agent, her estate, um, basically put up multiple items that she owned, like signed copies of a book. I saw one of his rare books, signed copy of one of his books, going and it's $100,000 and the price is climbing. I don't have that kind of scratch. And I don't know if I would basically, if I did have that kind of scratch, would I drop that amount of money on a book, even if it is uh, inscribed by Martin Luther King. But that also brings me up into inheritance. I have been talking about one of the things that I inherited from my father, um, his extensive uh, musical collection. And as I unloaded it uh, from the back of my truck, I basically reflected on that and I just want to say that it's an honor that I have been instilled and entrusted with his uh, prize record collection. Um, but to all of the other people that want to basically slither their way and see how they can weasel money from me, I don't got it. That's to everybody excluding the IRS. Ain't got it for you. Don't ask me for it. But I will be using, just watch me as I utilize those funds, et cetera, and, and continue my glow up because that's, I think, was the whole intent of him leaving me these things. So I'm having fun. I hope you had fun listening to the podcast. Um, I hope you tune into not only the podcast, but also to me on AMP as I continue to create great playlists and have some great music as people drive home or first thing in the morning leaving or coming to work. That's what I plan on doing. I wanted to end my broadcast or this recording with just some fresh beats and a, as a reminder for us to be kind to ourselves, be kind to our minds and keep creating. I mean, there's just so much 
horrible things and mean things going on in the world. And this is not goodbye. This is just until we meet again or until I record and drop another episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed creating it. Check me out on social media. Tinfro is reading on Instagram, TV Food Wine Girl on Twitter, and Tinfro is reading the book club. I hope to get into a better state of mind as we recover as a nation from just the tragic happenstance of the last several weeks. And again, I admonish you to be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Be the action that you want to be. If you want kindness, give kindness, exude kindness, and just love yourself and love others. And again, thank you for listening. Mike Beats.